It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. Hey, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast. I am your host, John. This week's guest is the returning Fallon Bowman for our monthly Deftones discography run-through. This month we go through Deftones' Saturday Night Wrist, an album that kind of failed to reach the mark of, say, a White Pony or Adrenaline or even Around the Fur for a lot of fans of the Deftones. Uh, I remember when this record came out being really hyped on it with Hole in the Earth being one of the lead-off singles and just like how rocking and kind of more back to return to form that song was not saying that i didn't like the self-titled record but it's it's definitely a polarizing record when you get to saturday night wrist and especially self-titled and saturday night wrist going back to back uh, i think a lot of people were expecting white pony two and three and while i don't think uh the band necessarily made any missteps with this record i definitely think that the general consensus is that these two records following white pony were not on par with what the deftones had put out up to that point so the other thing about that's the other thing that's been interesting about these conversations with fallon was and you know i've kind of said it going going into it the whole time is that around the time of white pony on that's when i really got into the band and that's kind of where fallon fell off so it's it's been interesting to kind of talk about these two records given the fact that fallon has no history really with these records at all uh has basically listened to these records just leading up to doing these conversations so not really something that she's very familiar with or has much history with like i do where i've known these records and listened to them countless times over the last you know decade plus uh with these records the unfortunate thing is is as i've seen the band you know the band will play stuff off of the self-titled record but i other than this most recent time i have yet to see the band play anything off of saturday night wrist definitely some solid songs on these records but like i said i just can think the general consensus is that the fans didn't really like it and chino has gone on record in some interviews is to say that when he listens back to these these last two records that especially this one that it feels like a very disjointed record of a band that's got a lot of infighting and can't figure out what they want to do um which i don't necessarily hear per se um but it's interesting to see someone in the band go back through and kind of say that about a record so yeah i'm interested to see how people's perceptions of this record are because i know a friend of mine went and saw the band on this touring cycle and they played a shitload of stuff off of saturday night wrist songs i wish they would play now and still would play um but it kind of seems like if you didn't see them on this tour then probably not going to see the majority of these songs whatever they did end up playing being played speaking of going to shows and songs being played uh, over the last week and a half i've had the pleasure of going to see a couple of shows that have kind of reinvigorated my sense of going to see a live band and just getting excited about newer heavier music and, and kind of where it's going uh most recently i went to go see the code orange gojira tour with torch being the middleman uh originally the tour was supposed to be one of the three dates with code orange opening death haven and then uh gojira headlining uh unfortunately something happened and the tour got re removed to a different date 
Death Haven ended up keeping the date playing a smaller venue here in town, uh, which I did not attend, and I, I kind of hear I didn't miss a whole lot, but I do like that band. Uh, but going to see it, I was hoping that Code Orange was going to get added to it, and they did. Uh, Code Orange is one of those bands I've talked about on this podcast a few times, and I think they are one of the more exciting quote-unquote newer bands uh, going right now. They infuse a lot of different styles in refreshing new ways that I've not heard uh, in metal, hardcore, post-hardcore, industrial, new metal, whatever sub-genre you want to throw on to the metal community. I've not heard a band really do things quite like this. There are little flashes that it, it harkens back to other bands in their their approach but i don't think i've seen a band do it consistently like over the course of one record and, and not have it be like well here was your industrial song here was your attempt at a alternative song and and so forth uh they are definitely breathing new life into a scene that i've kind of thought has been stagnant for a while and it's nice to see the world take notice between people within the industry that they're in with the bands that they're toying with bands like kill switch engage bands like lamb of god bands like gojira it's it's awesome to see a, a younger band getting the attention that they deserve through busting their ass and basically just being uncompromising in their own approach to what they want to do, letting it be something that, you know, no outsiders are influencing or whatever. So if you've never seen Code Orange, uh, I, I don't really know what to tell you. It's, it's definitely an experience. Uh, I will say if you go to more of a headlining crowd or more of a heavier concert crowd, like if you're going on to this Hate Breed Dying Fetus Twitching Tongues tour coming up in the next month or two, uh, <laughs> I would be prepared to watch your shit if you go in the pit. It'll get kind of brutal. Their their fans are very aggressive and uh, crowd killer-ish um, at times, so... Uh, if you're not into that, then I would definitely say try to stay away from those areas of the of the floor. But it's a it's a great band, and I really love their record forever. Um, and I even was blasting I Am King recently, and it's just solid heavy music. Um, Torch I didn't really stick around for. It's, I, I respect what they do, but to me that's not really the the tour that they should have been on. Death Haven I think would have been a better go between between what Code Orange is doing to what gojira does and again that's not saying torch isn't a great band it's just not really my cup of tea for what i was looking for for this this tour and gojira are a band i have loved for a long time i've only seen them once and you know i got really bummed a lot of times when they get ready to play here in grand rapids something happens like when they did the lamb of god tour a few years ago randy ended up going to jail and they canceled the date uh, coincidentally, I was trying to book the band to salvage that date here in Grand Rapids at a small club, and I thought I was going to get it, and the venue was going to help me because they were told they told me that the promoter, the booking agent for Gojira, was trying to make a date still work uh, since the tour was canceled about a day or two before it was supposed to start here in Grand Rapids. So I was trying my ass. I was trying to bust my ass and get that show here because, you know, how great would it have been to, to book one of my favorite metal bands currently? And it ended up falling through. They wanted to play in A-Market, so they went to Detroit instead, and I did not go to that show. Uh, then there was the date where they were supposed to play with Metallica and Lamb of God, but it didn't get announced until after the show had sold out, so I didn't get to go see that. 
And then my wife and I drove to Fort Wayne, Indiana to go see him at Pierre's with Mastodon. And it was a great show. We got to check out our new venue and had a good time just hanging out at our new venue and drinking some drinks and enjoying some metal and so forth. And then we left after Gojira was done and went to the bar next door and had half-off wings and uh, half-pitchers, which my wife was expecting literally a half-pitcher to show up. She'll kill me if she knew I was talking about that because I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, so Gojira was super tight. It's great to see a new venue in town, 20 Monroe Live, uh, bringing in a lot of metal bands that other venues seemingly have forgotten about or don't necessarily think is worth the investment. Um, I love the fact that they are bringing all kinds of different stuff and just trying to figure out what works. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's it's a very admirable thing for a new venue to do. Like, I know, I know not everything makes a sellout crowd come in and all that kind of stuff, but... You know, a lot of people are saying that these bands aren't worth the money that they are asking for and that fans don't come out and support, and I actually think that that's kind of false. Um, the Gojira show was pretty well attended for it being on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, one or the other, but during the weekday, I thought it was pretty well attended. It looked like merch was doing really well. People were drinking, so I think as a whole, it was a, a successful show. Uh, then we ended up going to see Mastodon, Russian Circles, and Eagles of Death Metal about a week after that show. And as you heard, I, I left once before Mastodon, and uh, it's not saying I don't like that band. I just am not a fan of seeing them live anymore, just because they don't really play a lot of the older stuff that I got into the band on. So uh, we ended up going more or less for Russian Circles, and thankfully a friend in the last minute had some had some uh, tickets for free, so my wife and I ended up going to Vats. Got there early to go see Russian Circles. Uh, it's a band that I've really enjoyed and, and very much like the Gojira experience. Uh, Gojira, you know, is a band that comes around somewhat frequently and that I just never get to go. And Russian Circles always plays uh, a smaller venue here in town, and it always sells out really quickly. So I, I typically usually am broke before I find out that, you know, the show is announced and tickets are on sale and then it's sold out. So I haven't been able to see them ever. And Memorial is a, one of my, I think one of my favorite records from, uh, was it 2015? I think when that came out, um, it's a solid record. And usually that's the kind of stuff I start listening to once the fall winter weather comes. Cause here in Michigan, it gets kind of gloomy and gray for a while and all the snow and stuff like that so something that's kind of ambient but then also aggressive is is a really good go-to for me during these seasons but uh russian circles they were awesome the only complaint i had was the mix was kind of eh, but i don't know how much of that was due to the fact that the bass player was having issues with his pedal board uh and you know they're opening so they only had about i think 25 30 minutes to play uh, but all that being said, they played a, a good cross-section of uh, some of the stuff off the new record, some of the stuff off of Memorial, uh, and the record before Memorial, which I'm blanking on. But uh, definitely made me want to go see that band in a setting that's more intimate and with people who like that band. Because as much as some people were chanting for the band when they were going on, I, I don't think the majority of the people that were there knew who the fuck they even were or what to expect. Uh, that being said, Eagles of Death Metal came on next, and that's a band I've wanted to see for a while as well. Typically, they only play A markets, so around here in Michigan, that's going to be Detroit, maybe Flint, the Machine Shop, or something like that. But finally getting to see those guys, and in light of what has happened with uh, them being the 
the ones involved with the shootings at the Bataclan and watching the documentary basically of the things surrounding that. I forget what the documentary is called, but it's a very harrowing, very emotional uh, documentary. And I remember just being completely engrossed in the story and the human element of what Jesse and those guys went through. Uh, and it was kind of surreal to be able to see the band play and to see them in person. It, it just kind of sometimes when uh, a band like that ends up going on, you think to yourself that they're, they're kind of bigger than life. And, and you think of the circumstances of how they went through this tragedy and they're uh, at the epicenter of, of this national, international tragedy. And it's weird to be in the same room with them in the same space. And you just kind of, I don't know, it's a very surreal experience for me to, to see this band that I've, I've admired for so long. And, you know, I'll say this, the band puts on a hell of a show. Uh, very energetic. Very, uh, very much what you would expect if you are an Eagles of Death Metal fan or even know of the band in the slightest. But uh, it was it was kind of a trip. Uh, I couldn't help but think of, you know, what if the events of the Bataclan happened, you know, at the venue we were at. I couldn't help wonder if it's, you know, in the forefront of their minds as well. Um, you know, with the in light of the stuff that happened out in Vegas uh, last week, I believe, at the time of recording this, it's something I don't really necessarily ever think of as far as, you know, the security and safety at, at shows because I, I don't think of going to shows as a place where someone would want to hurt people intentionally. I mean, there are those people that that happens to when you go to metal shows with pits and alcohol and all that kind of stuff involved, but I don't think of that being a place where someone goes to to inflict pain onto people and to, you know, do those kind of things. And, and maybe I should be more aware of that. I should think that more frequently so I can protect myself and maybe the people I'm around so in case something happens, I'm ready. But I, I just don't think that that's... A mindset that anyone should go into when you go to a show it should be a place of escape uh, from your day to day and something you look forward to and something you're excited about and that was kind of the other flip side to that is you know I'm very fortunate to go to a lot of shows uh, I live in a, a town where you know we get a lot of people coming from Detroit going to Chicago and it's just a quick stop to make some extra money we got the, a new venue in town that is through Live Nation and slash House of Blues, so you know they get some money to throw some some bigger acts coming our way. Uh, we got an arena as well that brings people through. So I mean, all things considered, like there's a lot of music to to take in almost at any given point uh, here in Grand Rapids, and you know I'm spoiled. <laughs> you know, between the writing gig or having friends who work at venues and so forth. Uh, or even knowing different bands that tour, you know, I don't typically have to pay for a lot of tickets to go into shows. So I kind of get to the point, I think, of a little bit of show fatigue just because I get to go to so many things. But uh, the Mastodon tour and the Gojira tour really kind of re-sparked my love of why I go to good, why I go to shows, why I love metal, why I love living here in this town where I do, and stuff like that. It's uh. It's been an interesting week or so of just kind of reflecting on things through shows and just kind of thinking about uh, a lot of the events of the last week, week and a half as of me recording this. With that, this is a long enough intro as it is. Let's get to my chat with Fallon Bowman.
I'm sure in the Midwest you see all kinds of really funny things. <laughs> there's there's definitely some some dumb shit that I, I see, <laughs> like those uh, hanging balls that people put on the back of their uh, pickup trucks for like their trailer oh, hitch. They... Oh my god, I've never <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> oh yeah, just a swinging pair of balls. That's that's great. <laughs> that's endearing. I'm gonna look that up. Swinging <laughs> balls. <laughs> I'm sure that will bring up plenty of awesome images. Oh my god, swinging balls trailer hitch. It's called the truck nuts. <laughs> yeah, I knew it had some stupid name. I just couldn't think of it. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe that's real. Oh, that's, well. that's crazy. Wow, okay. Alright, that made my night. That made my night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can only go downhill from here, so... <laughs> I guess so. Um, no, I'm excited about this one, because uh, I should mention prior to... I don't know, well, you're probably recording now, but I've actually never listened to this record, ever, until today. It's funny, when I, I had done a chat earlier with a, a gentleman uh, from a band out of like the suburbs of Chicago, and they're on a, they're putting getting ready to put out their newest record on Prosthetic Records uh, next week, and so he had reached out to me because of these chats like were one of the things that he had heard of the podcast, and so he was like, oh, you know, I'm a Deftones fan, I've heard you guys' conversation, so on and so forth, and then, you know, so I asked him about it while we were chatting toward the end. And then I was like, coincidentally, like, we're actually doing an episode tonight talking about Saturday Night Wrist. And I was like, I think in light of the last one, I think Fallon basically has admitted that <laughs> she had listened to that record maybe two or three times total. And one of or one or two of those three were right before we recorded. I go, so I'm interested yeah. to see, since I know she said that she didn't really listen to these la like that record in this one, uh, if she, yeah. how many times it will have been. So it's interesting that this is the first time. So I guess I'm getting a real first uh, experience out of you on this one. Which I guess is kind of not fair, because if we're going to be looking at it, uh, treating each album the same way, I mean, like, sometimes songs, obviously, they grow on you, mm -hmm. and some of them will grab you right away. Um, and it's not fair because of the first three, re three records, um, I played the shit out of those ones. Right. But then... You know, and some of the songs I didn't like at first, from what I re recall, anyways. But then they grew on me after a while. But and and even listening to self-titled just by itself, I didn't like. I didn't. None of them grabbed me at all. Whereas this album, I can already see in the distance the the brilliance that's Diamond Eyes. So I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. I think actually it'll be more interesting that your first spin on it is now because I, I think it a gives it's more an honest opinion of something as opposed to you know adding nostalgia to something where maybe that clouds a little bit of your your judgment, yeah. judgment on it but on top yeah. of that i think like with you would knowing that you love diamond eyes so much and this is the record that basically is the precursor to that it'd be interesting to see if you pick up on anything that ends up on that like you know how i've always said there's like one song that kind of showcases where the band's kind of going on the next record Yes. When people are like, "Oh, I don't understand where this bit, where this came from," and it's like, "Well, I mean, go back and you'll you'll hear it." I think there's definitely some some nuances that you'll that definitely pave the way for what uh what Diamond Eyes would eventually lay down as the groundwork for that whole album. Definitely, I got that impression. So we'll dive right into it. Hole mm -hmm. in the Earth, uh, the lead-off single off of this record. I think there were only. 
think there was only two singles technically off of this this record, and this was the first one. Um, for me, this coming right off the gates. I mean, again, I'm one of those random people and that are far and few between that like the last record a lot. Uh, despite what I may have said about how I, eh, the song's in there or whatever, I definitely think right. that the track listing, if you move stuff around, I think it gives you a different appreciation of that record as a whole and how strong mm-hmm. those songs are, just not in that sequential order. <laughs> With this song, though, when it came out, I remember you know, not hearing anything off of it, not having, you know, like a Matrix soundtrack come out with, you know, another song on it that was really weird or anything. This is mm-hmm. the, the first introduction to this album, and I was very excited because this is this is a really driving kind of, I mean, not quite in the same regard as like Be Quiet and Drive, but it's it's very, you know, Deftones-esque song. It's It's got the thing that I love, the interplay between Steph and, and Abe with the drums, like the drums match like on the cymbal hits and the snare hit and all that kind of stuff matches up with the, the riff itself. I love the weird fucking sound effects that Frank's adding to it on this. Like, uh, <clears throat> I wrote, uh, like literally like what I ended up writing was, uh, those drums mixed with that guitar riff, shitload of exclamation points. And then woo, woo. <laughs> I go, this, this is a way to start an album. Chino's voice sounds so great right out the gate. Possibly one of the stronger album openers from the band up to this point. The mellow chorus and the bridge is really interesting territory for them to go in, especially right out the gate. Uh, really love this song. Uh, Frank's, you know, in high, up right up there, like adding his things to the mix. Uh, you know, Chi, it's funny, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about Chi whenever we've done this. I kind of noticed that, but I think that's, it's kind of like a, a the sort of like blessing and, and curse of it is like, he's so good at doing what he does that you notice so many other things. And I think that's really the, the talent of him as a bass player is he's up front and plays what he needs to, to, to carry the song and, you know, add backing vocals or whatever. But it doesn't overplay anything to where you're like, oh, man, what is that bass doing? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like then, an understated brilliance. It, and, and that's what I was going to say, too, is that it, he was such a like a force and such a something that you would look forward to to see live. Yes. Because you just knew that he was such, such, such great intensity and uh, just he could he could play with his eyes closed. And most of the time he did play with his eyes closed. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's it's, it's super sad um that he's no longer with us but yeah that's the way it goes i guess yeah your so, thoughts um, on on this uh essentially the same thing uh i said it's it's a it's a spectacular opening absolutely 100 the dynamics are absolutely perfect in in my opinion it has a real live off the floor feel but not at the same time it's a, just it's so perfectly mixed yeah um, that you can't, like, you get those hints of them just kind of jamming it out, but then it's not. It, I don't know. It's very, uh, it's very, it, it just evoked that, like, sort of jam feel, but it's not really at the same time. I don't know how to explain it. It's very strange. No, it definitely um, has, I like, it's a, just a that library. Oh, part. Yeah. That he does. It's like, it seems like he's just, like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking about the balls, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this song brings those to the to the album right away. Oh man, the, the hook is is just incredible, though. Um, to me, is is the most going in the diamond eyes direction of all. Well, I mean, each song has a little bit of that, but I yeah. think this is where I heard it the strongest. Um, and uh, I yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic opening to this record. 
Yeah. It uh it's interesting. Like I would assume this would be like a song that the band would open tours with and I've never seen them play this song. Oh yeah. Like they pretty much don't play anything off this fucking record like whatsoever. And I don't know how much of that is due to the fact that this album didn't do well either commercially and mm-hmm. and that. I mean, but I mean on the same token, they at least play shit off of uh self-titled so i don't quite understand why they yeah, much don't play anything off of the song what's the rationale there i wonder it's uh it's very but i i always found it very interesting what songs bands pick to play um and from my own experience anyways for the very short time that i ever toured um it's the singles that you don't want to play because you're so fucking tired of talking about it or yeah. singing it or whatever like you're just like ah, oh, i just want to play you know there's always that song that you like on your record more than the more than the singles you want to play that one more than uh more than the single itself but people want to hear the single that's what usually what draws them in i was gonna say there's a running quote from a a dave Grohl uh faux interview it's a real interview but it's like a like it's for with uh kyle gas from tenacious d interviewing him about how to write (laughs) write writing hits and during one of the things i'll have to send you a link to the video because it's fucking funny and you'll get the the stupid song he makes up like tentatively on the spot stuck in your head because that's how fucking good of a songwriter he is yep but uh in it you know they're talking about how like you know he's like oh man you write the hits you, you know the band writes the hits he's like let me tell you something the deep cuts don't pay or don't keep the mansion running and you're just like <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> it's so true it's true I, I was having a conversation because i'm getting back into or i'm starting the writing process for my next record so i was having this conversation with the guy that i've been working with kind of on and off for a while and i'm like man like when you sit we're sitting there dissecting pop songs and it's it's like four notes it's it's so it's so simple but it's so effective and it's you know those are the ones that pay pay the bills it's it's what pay the bills is like these pop songs that are mindless or not mindless but um not overly complicated um and i find that in if bringing this back to the deftones anyways uh they're they're really really good at making a very simple song but not dumbing it down too much it's still they're still so effective yeah <laughs> for you know for people that don't because like, none of their songs are really poppy but no they have poppy they, elements they have good hooks the, the hooks are they have great, especially whole near for sure yeah uh next song is rapture and i'll let you kick this one off um this is definitely what i first thing i thought was uh like a really refused style attack um, of of a song, very very mosh pit um, inducing kind of with that in mind, I guess written with that in mind. <clears throat> Excuse right. me. Um, it's a very interesting song because it doesn't to me it doesn't sound like anything I had heard from them before. It was like, oh, this is interesting. Like even the vocal style is really strange. <laughs> it's, it's attacking it from a completely new place. It's not his regular screen. Like now he has three and, and I make a lot of notes about his vocal phrasing because he seems to have maybe three or four different types. Right. And this is a new type that I've added. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's different. Okay. <laughs> that's, hmm. you know, uh, so that's what grabbed me first. I was like, whoo, okay. So that singing is different. Those singing is different. And uh, I said that alien in, 
the alien invasion keys are so great. <laughs> it reminds me of Dead Z. Um, yeah. So that's that's it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I wrote a. This is a song I know a bunch of people hate, but I really <laughs> love. I really love the nuances of the parts of this song. Uh, the parts that Frank adds to the background uh, are very weird. Uh, something that I'll, I'll keep touching on throughout the rest of this record because typically Frank's stuff that he was adding it, it, on this album, you really like he. I feel like came into his own with like a, his own weird shit that he was like either creating or the samples he was he was using were a lot different than what he's been doing over the last you know at least two records. Uh, instead of just kind of playing like keys, like a typical like you know keyboard or whatever. Right. And adding notes and filling out sound. I feel like he's filling out the sound with just completely different shit. Like, uh, and I'll definitely touch on it throughout the rest of this record. But I wrote that uh, the parts that Frank adds to the background, the various riffs used within this song. I feel like there's just, you know, so much nuance to the song. Uh, honestly, Chino's vocals kind of take me out of this song. And lyrically, some cool wordplay, but I feel like the song could use some better lyrics overall. But as a whole, this song is uh, very, very driving uh, right out the yeah. gate. Yeah, so essentially the same. Yeah, I think it was a little. I, yeah, I was gonna say I think it was a little bit harsher <laughs> with, my, with <laughs> yeah. my review, but I was, I was in a better mood when I was I listened to it. So no. <laughs> I, I usually because I wasn't really in a great mood when I listened to the first one, the subtitle. <laughs> so I think that had a lot to do with it. But um, I, I actually, uh, well, I guess I'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Um, beware. I love, 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 love the slow brooding nature of this song right out the gate. Uh, it kind of harkens back for me to anniversary of an uninteresting event from the self-titled, just the way it's kind of, I mean, they're not the same as far as like the, the sound of the song or like the arrangement or anything, but I just love the na- the way it's, you could tell like there's just something that's pushing this, like the, this brooding nature of that's kind of pushing this song. Uh, I wrote that the frog cricket noises that that Frank adds bother me, but I also like it. Like it's weird because it's like it gets kind of annoying, but then I think like as it's going, like the no- the noise of that adds into the the you know the unfurling of the uh, of the chorus itself. Yes. Um, the chorus is so serene, and the way Chino stretches and layers out the the B in when he's saying beware. Uh, I think are really interesting and haven't really haven't really seen him do that uh, on anything like where he's kind of stacking and, and stuttering a word, you know, to kind of create this to have it create a its own like sonic kind of thing for the song. Um, I also wrote that the crushing riff at the end of the song. I would have liked to have seen this become something more than just you know the tail end of a song. <laughs> I wrote the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I again, I, I pointed out the water reference. In oh this. yeah, oh he yeah. Loves to talk about water and swimming, and I got like when I listened to this, I wrote. This is the first thing I wrote when I was like, okay, <laughs> this is strange. This song reminds me of drudging through a swamp. Yeah, like totally. it's just swimming through sludgy water. And you hear and all the like the animal sounds and the stuff like that. It, it totally it brings you somewhere, which is something that I think from this 
record on, no, I wouldn't say from self-titled, but maybe from this record on, they get very good at doing. They just bring you somewhere else, like take you on this, you know, journey somewhere. Um, that's my my opinion. But um, yeah, I was like, oh man, with the water again, jeez. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's it's definitely a a running theme throughout this this whole record, and I think I've kind of figured out why. I kind of talk about it toward the end of the record, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good song. I I think this album honestly starts off very very strong. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I I made some notes about the synths, of course, because that's like the some besides guitars, it's the second thing I hear, and then the third thing I hear is vocals. Um, and it's like that B sounding sawtooth synth. It's like yeah. again adds to that swampy kind of uh watery feel by a body of water so anyway uh cherry waves um i wrote this is easily one of my top three songs on this album i love how saccharine (laughs) this this whole song is she knows vocals on the chorus Ugh, this song is sex so much random effects going on with the women's laughter tucked in the background again uh frank using different kinds of samples and uh, just using different stuff to to fill out the sound in the in the album that up until this this record really I've never really heard him use such distinct things that where you're like oh that's that's like something he had to go find and cut out and figure out that he wants it here it's not just like like you're saying like okay I'm gonna take this like synth patch and just kind of start you know putting some shit in and filling it out um. I'd be interested to hear who wrote this song. It seems pretty obvious, but who knows with this band anymore. Uh, the lyrics are so awesome. I don't entirely know that they make any sense, like most Chino lyrics, but the delivery sells it for me. The bridge is interesting, very much like Rough Waters before going back into that amazing chorus, which kind of brings you back to calmer calmer water, like a, a nice evening before the sunset. It's like Minerva's chorus, but improved upon. Hmm, Okay. And more um, so in the sense of like <clears throat> the vocal delivery of Minerva, like as far as like the, oh, okay. uh, I, get what you mean. I feel like Chino took that chorus as maybe like an idea and, and kind of expounded upon how to like really make it go even bigger vocally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it may just be, uh, he, he seems to do a lot of variations of the same thing. Yes. Um, I don't mean that as a slight, but I mean, you know, it works. So, you know. Yeah. So he's just like, okay, we'll just do this again, but just, uh, you know, make it better. <laughs> so, um, and, and it's funny, I, going back to what I was saying earlier, or was going to say, but then I'm like, oh, I'll just wait until we get to the song. Uh, I, he, they actually played Cherry Waves, I think, at the show that I was at. I, I thought they had, and I was trying to think of it, but, I mean, kind of, to a degree, like, I don't know, like, when... Some of it kind of blurs together when you when you've seen the band as yeah. often as I kind of haven't around this time frame mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. But I I feel like they they played this, but I couldn't remember if it was this or Beware because they both kind of have similar choruses Blurry. as far as the vocals and trying to remember back to a show that's you know like an hour and a half long and you're like, what are they playing again? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, and I heard it for the first time, obviously, because I, I was like, "What song is this?" I had no idea what it was, so I turned to my friend and I asked her. She's like, "I don't know, man. I don't have this record." <laughs> so, um, yeah, see, this is a running theme, clearly. So, <laughs> yeah, and 
I remember going back and onto Spotify. I'm like, I need to find this song. So I went through all the CD, well, the two CDs that I don't have. And I'm like, oh, of course, it's on this one. And because I was like, man, oh, I love that chorus. That chorus is just epitomizes everything that I love about the Deftones. Sweeping and, again, with the water references, very swimming sound to it. Um, and I just love that really chilling beginning like it's so subdued but ah it's it's great i fucking love this song it is actually one of my top three as well it's it's the i think it's also like the weird shuffle beat that kind of gets played in it that like kind of it's it's different like there's so much little nuances to this record that just shows the band doing completely different shit that they've not really done on anything and i can't even pinpoint it to even like oh like a shuffle beat well or like the, a beat kind of like this. Well, Abe did it on this, or you know, Chino did a vocal sort of like this, or you know, even saying like you did with like adding a different kind of vocal attack per se mm-hmm. delivery on on the song already, like on this album already. And excuse me, and I don't feel like you you see a whole lot of that. So it was one of those things where there's just so much experimentation going on on this record that it kind of. And it's done really well. Like it's one of those things, like where they're taking chances and and doing very well with it. And I, I like it. And I think, like you know, we've kind of alluded to already throughout all of our chats. Like this is kind of where you start seeing the ideas that would eventually, I think, be perfected on Diamond Eyes. Oh yes! I'm so, so excited! I can't wait to talk. About it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if that was obvious, but uh, yeah. 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 Um, Great. <clears throat> I'm trying to think, did I start that one off or did you? I can't remember. I, th- I think <laughs> that I, was two minutes ago. I think I <laughs> think that was that? I think that was you that started this one, so this one's mine. So in light of me just saying that uh I really enjoyed all the chances that the band was taking and how well they were doing with it, uh main or mine, however, I've heard both. Uh I wrote I like the riff of this song. And I don't mind the vocals lyrics per se, but I really don't like the chorus to this song. It feels like they were trying too hard to make a chorus that allowed them to have Serge Tankian featured on this song. Speaking of Tankian, he's not needed at all. Adds nothing to this <laughs> song for me. Also, the video... Oh, yeah, this was the second single off this. Uh, also, oh, the video is it? somehow even worse. Maybe that's why I don't like this song as much as I do oh. now currently, because I feel like it's just a fucking terrible video. Uh, I feel like with how well the song so far had been arranged, this was the first misstep on the record. In in tone and in execution. Um, yeah, I have that they played this song actually live because I remember it, not recognizing it and being like, how does everybody know the words to this song? Like, who's heard this song? <laughs> and I, I was, I didn't really mind it. Uh, I, I think I recalled Chino actually playing on this song. I could be wrong. Sounds um, right. I think there's two guitars going on on this one. Yeah, it definitely sounds a little bit thicker. Um, I, I really like, I said, the most effective use of a drum roll that I've heard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just love that when they, when, again, like you were saying with Whole Near, um, that that tightness in the in the interplay between um, Steph and, uh, and Abe. I just oh, love it. I'm just like, and I didn't know actually that Serge sang on this song, but I recognized his voice right away. I was like, "Oh, oh, that's nice. Okay, um, that's you know." But I totally agree with you. It really does come out of nowhere. You're like, "Okay." Well, that they the they even do like that weird like 
tape slow down thing where it's like like kind of thing leading into his part and you're just like god it what? it sounds like you threw it in there and like edited it in there and i just as a whole everything about this i don't <laughs> i don't like how it was executed like the oh, production really, yeah. on it is just really <laughs> annoying to me but i don't know i just as a whole it's to me that like with hole in the earth being like one of the first songs to kind of be like so far on this record the only song that's kind of like more faster and and like this to me, like, mm-hmm. this song just misses, like, where everything about Hole in the Earth worked, this just misses on almost all all accounts for me. You know, I, I'm really surprised that they put this as the second single. Uh, I think if you really look at the rest of the, the CD as a whole, I don't really think that there's an obvious, like, single. Well, Plus, with how popular uh, System of a Down was at the time... Yeah, maybe that's probably that's, what it is. That's why you would, you know, throw this yeah. on as your your secondary single and try to capture the crossover crowd. Yeah, but I mean, I would have picked Cherry Ways, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. But I, 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 yeah, you're probably right about the fact that since it surge was on it, um, you know, they were like, oh, we got to capitalize on that. Maybe I'm not not stuck to say that they. Although, they it would wouldn't have been the same without them, really. But although I'm looking up a. Uh just kind of looking up to get some background bullshit on this apparently uh cherry waves was a promotional single released in 2007 after this this song so oh really okay well there you go so <laughs> and then apparently as um just kind of because like sometimes we, we mean to talk about these things and completely forget so i don't i want to i don't want to forget this so sure. uh the three people who the, they had three producers on this record which i think is interesting uh, I was only aware of one. I didn't realize the other one was on here, but it makes sense because it ties into Crosses. But Sean Lopez of Crosses uh, Lopez. is a, a producer on this. Bob Ezrin, who I know actually did this because he was on the Talk To Me podcast and was talking about have a, having worked with the Deftones for, real quickly. And the other is Aaron Sprinkle, who Aaron Sprinkle is more known for working with like Under Oath and Emery and bands of that ilk, not the Deftones. Oh, interesting. And uh, apparently uh, this was also recorded over the course of one, two, three, four, five different studios, one of which being the Morning View house from Incubus. Interesting. So clearly there's – I'd be interested to know which ones Sean Lopez did. Um, yeah. Just because – I know that, like, his involvement with, like, Will Haven and all the – like, he's, a like, pretty big in with the Sacramento scene. Yeah. Um, he's like legendary. Uh, Will Haven has a song about him, <laughs> so like he's he's great. But I, I could probably guess songs that he uh, he worked on just by knowing. But I yeah, I didn't know I didn't know that there were so many so many cooks in that kitchen. Wow. Hmm. Sorry, I'm I'm looking up lyrical themes on this. I mean, granted, it's through Wikipedia, so I don't know how accurate this <laughs> shit is. But it's funny because, like I said, we we always talk about these things, and then it's like, oh, I was reading somewhere, or had read something a long time ago. So I'm reading, uh, and I'll just read this quickly, just because I think it does kind of show that you know we're not entirely off on on our line of thinking. Uh, it says that Marino described the lyrical subject matter of some of the songs in later interviews. He explained that Kim Dracula, a song we'll get to eventually, uh, was part of his email address <laughs> at the beginning of making the record during his heavy drug use phase. Beware. Or at the beginning of his drug drug use phase, beware was a warning to others about sex, drugs, and drinking, which were the three main problems he encountered during the album's creation. 
A story about a witch that Marino wrote during his drug phase, he told in Reverie. We'll get to that. Cherry Waves is about testing the trust in the person has in someone else. The confusion Marino experienced from making Saturday Night Riss also illustrated in the song Rapture. Communication issues communication issues between the divided band during the making of the album were captured in Hole in the Earth. Uh, which, I mean, that huh. you can listen to that and you can kind of definitely tell that it's you know, about personal shit going on. Uh, Marino explained that the record's title as being a reference to the nerve damage caused when an intoxicated person falls asleep on his or her arm. He elaborated on the title referencing when you're alone on Saturday nights and your only best friend is your shaking wrist. <laughs> oh my god! So. Wow. There you go. So the water theme and all that wasn't entirely not accurate. Or it wasn't, in, like, wasn't wrong. Yeah. But I mean, still, we're still wrapped up in a lot of the drug use shit from White Pony. Yep. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I remember meeting him and being like, the second time I met him, not the one where I stole his clothes. Stole well, you didn't clothes. steal them. Oh, sorry. You were the, gifted them. I was the <laughs> recipient of, yeah, I was, you know, I, I was accepting stolen goods, basically. Um, didn't know. Well, I didn't know, actually. I didn't care, though. Cause I remember the second time I met him, uh, he was he was not all there, really. I don't know. So it was like, oh, man, you're killing my teenage dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, going into, speaking of teenage time, sort of, uh, this is a an old video game reference. Uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, select. Mm-hmm. This one's on you to start. Um, I actually fucking love this song. <laughs> <laughs> listening to it, I was listening to it at work. And I said that it, and I wrote this down, like, on a little piece of paper, and I said, it makes me feel like I should be in some smoky bar staring at a sexy stranger. Like, that's what it evokes for me, anyways. Um, and again, like I had mentioned earlier, just the, the the vibe that it gives you, they just take you somewhere. And yeah. It's it's incredible. Like I just I just love it. And even if there's no words, I was like, it's even better. Yeah. I think you could take it take away from the effectiveness of the song if he actually started singing. Um, just just jamming out with this super, you know, you could just imagine them all smoking weed and like, yeah, man, you know, let's jam this one out. And it, that's what <laughs> that's what happens. It's it's fucking magic. I, I love it. Yeah. It's actually one of my top three uh, on this record. Yeah. Funnily I'm... enough. I uh, wrote that I love this song, whereas I bitched about the placement of such a song on the last album, I feel like it hasn't ruined the momentum of this album. See above for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, would like to see them play around with more jammy type shit like this on on every album, be akin to how Killswitch Engage has those acoustic quote-unquote songs where they're like 40-second 40, 40 like interludes or whatever, but they, ha- they have song titles and such. Uh, they become known for on all their albums. Definitely showcases the more chill ambient side of the guys and love those synths or whatever Frank's adding, uh, as well as the drum pad stuff that Abe's doing in conjunction with his live snare drum, uh, where it like echoes when he hits it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I assume that's a drum yeah. pad. It could just be an after effect that they threw on the actual snare in like Pro Tools or something. Um, don't know if I want vocals on a song like this, but it would be interesting to see what the band does would be interesting to see the band do this live between a song or something. Just, you know, a subtle nod to, you know, those who would, you know, be figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because songs like this, yeah. I'm always surprised when people are like, oh, my God. It, like, takes people for a long fucking time to realize, like, a song's coming. And I don't know <laughs> if that's just because, like, I, as a musician, like, you 
can pick up on like oh there's the melody to blank song but it's like veiled in something else so you can't quite notice it and then all of a sudden once like the song kicks in everyone's like oh wait it's that song and it's like yeah well i mean if you were listening you would have noticed yeah you were kind of hinting at that yeah yeah. So seems like we both. I mean, I didn't necessarily say it was like in my top three, but it's a good song. I yep. really do like it. I would like to see them um, do more of this kind of stuff. Yep, I agree. It'd be nice. Um, Xerxes. Um, following the super chill mellow vibe, this whole album has had so far outside of uh, Hole in the Earth. I had to figure out what my acronym was for. <laughs> uh, Hole in the, yeah, after uh, outside of uh, Hole in the Earth. While I feel very eh about this song, it's definitely got a nice groove and enjoyable to listen to. The chorus lyrics are one of my favorite parts of this song, but it also just gets lost in repeated breathy vocals and just sameness of, you know, kind of what this album has already done, but better. I just mm-hmm. felt like it took too long to get to get where it needed to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it's, it definitely felt very, very sluggish. Um, that That was one thing I noticed, too. Uh, but I did say that I really like the background additions, which I'm assuming Frank has provided. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming. Creating a really nice extra layer, like a frosting on top of the song um, or behind behind the song. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how you put frosting behind something, but anyways. Uh, um, I mean. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I I. I I'm nothing this song really I didn't really have any opinion about it like again I was listening to it at work so I'm like hmm uh, 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 hum. <laughs> I mean I did, I, did. Yeah. I mean I'm not saying it's as bad as as the one with Maine or whatever but it's it's the definitely just not be named. <laughs> yeah it's just it's just a to me I feel like everyone has that. We've kind of said that where it's like this song did what this was trying to do better and you know in the day and age of knowing that albums have to be a certain amount of length and time or a certain amount of songs or whatever and maybe that's why we ended up with a song like up you know the the last one the up up down down left right left right ab select select maybe mm-hmm. that's why we ended up with that because they needed like man we need something that goes for like two more minutes and it's like all right but in a case like where that song works this one just kind of falls short to me yeah i really <clears throat> having it going from the up up down down to this one I was like oh wow okay they were doing well <laughs> and, <then I'm> like, <laughs> and it's funny because i don't really get that um feeling with from cherry waves going into mine i'm i'm like oh, i didn't really feel that it, it dropped off at all i was like okay it's it's there it's i mean tempo wise like no it didn't yeah, drop off at it, all i just to me like i said it. it's basically surge in the chorus that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> yeah, and, and for this one, uh, I felt it was very, I don't know. But I, I, I tried to be positive, and I was like, okay, well, the background additions I like. <laughs> yeah, there's, like I said, I think, I mean, and I've said that pretty much since White Pony on, but, I mean, I can't it can't be understated enough just how much Frank has added to this band. Uh, and I think, yeah. like, this is definitely an album where you – and again we keep i mean once you get to diamond eyes there's so much of not quite as obvious like weird noises that you hear but there's so much like you know i can think of like in diamond eyes or rocket skates like the weird like the little synth line that's going on in the background and stuff like that like and when you go see it live like there's just so much more of this stuff you become more aware of of what frank's actually doing um that i feel like you know a lot of people are always like "Eh, do you really need that guy yeah actually you do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, adds, he adds a lot to the to the band. 
Absolutely. I agree 110 percent um, just because I I love that shit. And, you know, for them, it works. It absolutely works. And it adds a whole whole new level of awesome. <laughs> they were awesome you know, without them, but they're all super, super awesome now. It reminds um, me, I mean, having spoke about Incubus earlier, I think they they have used him like how Incubus used DJ Killamore, like where it wasn't just like before it was like scratching. It's like uh, with the other DJ they had on like science and shit like that. When they got mm-hmm. DJ Killamore in the band, like he started adding like textures and, and different things to fill out the sound in, in a different way and be able like, you know, I'm thinking of like off of morning view, like some of those like Chinese strings and stuff like that, that he's adding to, you know, the songs and so forth that like add to like what Mike's doing on guitar and, mm-hmm. you know, just really con- contributing to the vibe that I think the band's trying to, to reach for and, and really taking it to that next level. And there's only like a handful of bands I can ever think of that instead of having like a DJ, they had someone who actually did that. And it's like, you know, a short list and it's like Chimera. Uh, really? Chimera had a, a uh, totally, uh, Chris Pacuza. I was like totally blanking on the dude's name. Uh, he mm-hmm. would do that kind of shit all the time. And like in the documentaries, they would show him working by himself, like pulling out, you know, different sounds and stuff like that. And like bending them and bending pitch and all that kind of stuff and throwing them in the back of songs and all that kind of stuff. And I would even say to a degree, like Marta from bleeding through, uh, is a, is another one, but she was more using like keys and synths and stuff like that. More a la like, uh, cradle of filth kind of stuff. Right. Right. So it's interesting. I mean, as you get into like heavier bands and, and more like stuff like that, like a lot of people use like DJs and keyboard synth players completely differently. But I think, and you know, now knowing that Sean Lopez helped produce this record, I wonder how much like he, influence like the mix on this to be like yo like let's let's push these up a little more yeah yeah and you, you know bring it to a whole new glorious level yes <laughs> glorious you should say so yeah. moving on next song is rats 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 mm-hmm. uh that's you oh yeah um it's very i think that this song and rapture are very similar in yeah. my opinion uh, very refused ask that same sort of that fourth vocal phrasing that I was talking about. Yeah. Cause like, I think it's the same sort of delivery. So I'm like, okay, so it's the same song, but with a Deftones style chorus. Um, and then I put, Oh my God, breakdown evokes sepultura feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means <laughs> because like I said, I heard the song for the first time. So I'm like, hmm. I'm like, oh, girl, that sounds like Sepultura, or reminds me of Sepultura. Definitely Um, a Max Cavalera type riff. Yes, sir. Um, But, yeah, that's all I wrote. Um, I feel like I wrote a shitload for this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Go for it. I have a love-hate with Chino's vocals on this. Um, I feel like it's supposed to elicit the same style vibe as Elite from White Pony, as far as, like, that live handheld microphone type sound. Yeah. with the aggressive vocals but it just doesn't come across right like either they didn't mix it correctly or like it just kind of sounds weak when trying to do it like he's pushing and it's not getting out what he wants to me um or maybe i just want more out of the vocal than than i'm getting and <laughs> we should produce the record <laughs> make them make them record re-record it 
<laughs> it's always funny like i'm so hung up on like pr- production on stuff like that but it's like if i like if someone would be like well what would you want it's like well i could tell you what i want but i have no fucking clue how to even get it out of like, i don't know how to do it so it's like i talk like i know what i'm I'm talking about but i think it's just because like i've i listen to so much different stuff and eventually i think if you listen to so much music then and, and even however whatever level you're at as a musician I think once you start learning how to play other people's stuff and you start learning about, you know, you know, if you're a drummer, like, oh, you know, these kind of tones are made from this or these cymbals make this kind of sound or these strings, these guitars, these amps, these whatever it is that helps you get the sound you want, you start noticing these kind of things. And I think I would hope you would, because then I think as you're trying to be a creative individual yourself musically, it kind of helps you be able to figure out like what you are looking for. Like, you know, we had the conversation before about how, you know, Deftones, when you heard Adrenaline, like that was like, you're like, that's the tone I want. How do I get it? Like, what does he got? That's how I like, that's why I play ESP. That's why I was playing, you know, Marshall or whatever at the time, or even a uh, 51 or uh, sorry, a uh, dual record or whatever yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, like it's in paying attention to that kind of stuff and, and listening to music over the course of however long that I think I would hope that people would have start getting an ear for more of the production of things or figure out like why they don't like something. It's like, Oh, I, well, I don't like how muddy this guitar tone is, or I don't like how this vocal sounds or whatever. And I, I mean, I think that's all it is for me is I just pay attention and I watch a shitload of band documentaries. And anytime I can find something where, a producer has talked you know about recording a band or you get to see a band recording the record itself and you see how some of the things are done mm-hmm. i think i think that's interesting to me so i mean half of it's that i have a, a thirst for the knowledge of just watching this kind of shit and slowly kind of figuring out like when someone's talking about something it's like oh well it kind of reminds me of this part on whatever I'm, other thing i can you know parlay it to but uh yeah, for me, the vocals just, I mean, there's an example, like I said, of Elite, where Chino just sounds ferocious using like a, what I presume to be a handheld mic, uh, which for those who aren't aware, kind of like you were saying earlier with like the live mic, like the live room sound, mm-hmm. um, you know, for vocalists, you know, sometimes like they will use a handheld to kind of get more of a, a live take feel to it. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like this would, like Elite was performed like that, I believe, at least in some of the videos I've seen from the studio of them jamming the song. And so I feel like that's how this was trying to be done. Like, oh, like you're doing this aggressive thing, like use this handheld, do it. But I feel like Chino's voice just isn't strong enough to, to push himself to the where he was, at least like during Elite, during the recording of that song. Um, the chorus itself, the first time I heard it, and I, I always remember every time I hear this song, how I felt the first time of hearing the song and being like, man, this chorus just comes out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> it's interesting how it just kind of hangs around. And then kind of goes back to the the verse riffs. Um, I go, the choice of sounds Frank adds to these songs is pretty interesting. Still doing weird swells and such, but also weird noises that are kind of abrupt. Like, like you hear them, and then as soon as like they're like as soon as they're there, they're gone. Like it's just kind of like, oh, well, what was that? All right, and you're you're really aware of them when you put it like have listen to headphones like you can start picking apart a lot of these things especially like if they're paying you know far right far left whatever um right and i wrote the bridge riffing and that drum fill pattern like could it get better yeah uh this continues <laughs> that trend of the deftones using one song where they just have like a super brutal part in it and then go back to whatever it came from and you're just like oh, fuck keep, keep doing that 
It's like when it's like when someone's scratching your back or whatever, and you got an itch, and you're like, "Ah, oh, keep doing that," and then they just stop, and you're like, "Oh no, I have more." Uh, like dogs and cats do that. They're like, yeah. "Hey, hey, hey, you're not done yet. Okay, you're gonna keep doing that forever." Uh, yeah, but it's uh got that super brutal part that makes you want more, and is tastefully done? Question marks. <laughs> uh, that ending scream though. Oof. Yeah. So uh, I think. Maybe I was gonna say about whether or not his voice was super strained at this point. Um, you know, just I, I'm surprised they would have chosen that take of all of the, of all of the ones that he probably did. You know, they could have just chopped it up so that it sounded, you know, so that he didn't sound like he was about to die. Yeah. Um, and, I, and like you said, I don't know how much of that. Like, I never really thought about it being like an extra layer to a vocal that he wanted to experiment with. Um, and I mean, like you said, there was another instance on this album where he experimented with his vocal styling and phrasing and I didn't mind it on that one, uh, so much, but this one, like I said, I just feel like either the, they use like a bad take or maybe everything, his vocal is so far up front in the mix that you're just able to kind of hear the dryness of his voice where it just kind of seems like you're pushing it too hard. Yes. And I mean, it's very easy to do that. And he has a very, uh, what I call a head scream. Yes. Um, so, you know, you can hear it, his throat dying, like literally cells are dying. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, Oh man. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did get that. I, now that I think about it, I did get that feel too. I'm like, Ooh, he is straining. <laughs> he's going to shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I took it that far, but all right. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Um, pink cell phone. I wrote that uh, this one feels kind of out of place. Uh, it's quirky, and I can't fault them for throwing this on the album in light of uh, Lucky You being on the last record. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I also don't skip it when it comes on either, so what does that say about me? The ending, I think, is what sells it for me, and it's over-the-top, quote-unquote, vocals lyrics. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I wrote pretty much the same thing. I'm like, is this some sort of weird sneak in again? Like that, you know, and I write like that other song that I don't like on the other, on the other CD, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was, well, yeah, there was more than one, but you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. but I like it. I yeah. like it. It's super fucking strange. Yeah. This definitely feels like a, and it's funny, like how to, I almost wrote it in, but I was like, I don't need to bring up crosses or, or anything else again. And I go, but this feels like something that Sean Lopez and Chino would have done to me. Like, there's, there just has like that crosses vibe to it. Like, especially like the the weird swells that kind of go in with the like AM radio, as I call it, like the AM radio uh, vocal effect. Um, right. Which you know, or like before it goes into, uh, I guess it's sort of like the half, like it's halfway point in the verses. Where it has like that weird like kind of like swirly where it's like I can't even think of how to put a actual like thing to it with my voice to like to mimic it. But I always thought it was kind of weird and I was like, oh, it just seems like something Sean would do. Because like there's like little glimpses of that all over that Crosses record and some of the like the other shit that he has done. So it's funny that I almost wrote that and I was like, eh, no, one's, everyone's going to be like, oh, you're too high on like chino and doing like all like his side shit and being loving it so i was like i'm not gonna write that and then as i find out now that sean produces this record it's like ah i was fucking right <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense yeah. now yeah yeah 
cool. <laughs> uh, and that's why British people have bad teeth. <laughs> it was one of those, I mean, with, with the latter part of this record, um, like with self-titled, um, none of them really grabbed me. Um, it has such a strong start, but then I'm like, hmm. I mean, I didn't, I don't hate them. It was just that these latter songs, I'm like, this is where you and I differ again. Uh, yeah, that happens. So combat, I'll let you kick this one off. The only thing I wrote was has a lovely melodic course. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You see, I'm trying to be super Canadian here. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be really nice. Sorry. I don't like your soul. (laughs) But you know what? You you have a really lovely melodic chorus. <laughs> like like of some doting grandmother. Uh, yeah. Um, I wrote, this is definitely the song I usually skip on this album. It takes too long to get where it's going. Uh, something I had said before. Uh, I don't mind the chorus. It's actually a really strong chorus. But I just feel like the song as a whole has way too many parts that don't work. <laughs> lovely melodic chorus yeah i mean there is the positive mixed in the yeah. the hateful oreo sandwich of the rest of it <laughs> that's okay that's fine this is a safe space yeah <laughs> um well, uh, I, yeah i guess we'll just move right on since we don't have anything positive <laughs> to say about that just... uh kim yeah. dracula i wrote i love this riff and the vocal it's so bouncy and catchy and it just really sets a strong strong vibe for this whole song i love the effect that chino uses on his vocal during the chorus uh this is definitely one of the other top three songs for this this record um seems to be an overall theme i wrote seems to be an overall theme about the earth and and its conditions and how we treat it and uh, apparently i was wrong (laughs) (laughs) apparently uh it is not about that it's but regardless that's how i felt about it at the time not knowing that it was a part of chino's email safe space Safe space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, Earth as a metaphor for the body. Yes. Or something, you know? Who knows? Um, I didn't really like the vocal patterning on this one. <laughs> it, it falls into the, the four that I've categorized him as having. He has this, like, really um, the swimmy vocal style, which is like, da, 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 da. I, I, ugh. I love him to pieces, but it just, it gets old. <laughs> it really does. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I like the fact that he, he, he played around with something new with Rapture and rats, rats, rats. Like, it's like, Ooh, okay, that's different. That's interesting. But for me, I felt that the song just didn't grab me. It did, like even this is again. This is the first time I've ever heard the song, right? So that may change. But I think that's like a, a very honest opinion of it. Like usually, your first opinion is typically the one you you keep. Yeah. So. Um, Reverie. This one's you. Okay. Um. Again, water reference. Rivière means river in French. Yep. So. T- that guitar. There's a guitar part that reminds me. Um, and I think you know what I'm going to say. I think I said it on the last episode, or the one <laughs> when we talked about White Pony, actually. Yeah, I'm like, oh, tonight I feel like more. Yep, it's coming. It's exactly the same. It me. is. It was, I thought I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. Yeah, because when I learned how to down the joints. 
I was going to say, when I had learned how to play this on guitar recently, I was like, huh, this chord phrasing is exactly the same as this. Just slow it down a little. But what's funny, though, actually, uh, it wasn't that. It was, uh, I was going to say, when they did when they did this, when I saw them in Detroit, but then before you saw them, and this is where I was going to go with it, uh, The this perfectly goes right into Changing the House of Flies because it borrows, like, the beginning part of his uh, guitar riff. Um, and that's what he did. He went into this and then the band kind of like hopped in for a couple, like, I felt like he went into it and having like, maybe like recently like figured out how to play the, play the song again, or at least a little bit of it. And the band didn't really hop in as they do on this song. And Uh, then they went into, uh, changing the house of flies. I believe I'd have to look that up again, but I'm pretty sure it was changed. It was toward the end of the song. I was like, holy shit. And then that was what that was what made me because I never really knew what tuning this song was in. So when I saw him go from that to that, I was like, "Well, White Pony's all in C." That as far as Chino is playing, and Chino mm-hmm. pretty much always plays in C tuning. So at that point, that was like the aha moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, so it's in this tuning. Like I should be able to figure it out from here because he uses a lot of the same chord choices in his songs." <laughs> yeah, you know, singing and playing hard shit. And he also plays to his vocal pattern, or plays to his yes. strumming pattern, whatever, however yes. you want to put that. Yes, that's um, true. But anyway, you were saying to continue. No, I, I was just saying that it, it's a very low key song. It's there's it's not offensive at all, but Mm-mm. it's still very effective. Um, uh, effective in the sense that it's, you know, it's not something that I would skip. I would like you with, um, with uh, which one was it? Pink cell phone. Yeah, it's one of the. I wouldn't. I didn't skip it. I would just let it play through, um, and I, I didn't have. Just sort of looking back on the entire record, I didn't have any songs that I actually skipped. It was like, oh god, this is awful. <laughs> um, I, I let it play through, and I listened to it like multiple times. But I, I didn't. I yeah, it didn't offend me at all. Where I'm like, Oof, no, no, <laughs> not like what the last record. This? Not like the last record where I did skip at least three songs. I like I just was disgusted. But um, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That seems really harsh. But um, you know, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> you know, it was that lovely melodic chorus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was like, I mean, I don't love it. It's not something. It's not like Cherry Waves. <laughs> me, where I'm like, oh yeah. I'm feeling like it's got a, it's just got the a fantastic groove. Yeah. That's one thing I think that they do very, very well as a band is create that, uh, a very sexy groove. Mm-hmm. Um, even with their faster songs. Uh, yeah. But it's, well, but yeah, I didn't find it was, uh, too offensive. So yeah, that's it. I wrote that. I, uh, all caps, love, 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 love this song. Easily the other third favorite song on this record. I could listen to this song all day and never get tired of it. And I don't. And there are times where I do play it for about three or four hours and I just never get tired of it. Uh, Uh I already mentioned about when I saw it on the tour that they, this last year, or the last time they came through. And I feel like this is, and before I found it, it's not a couple minutes ago, but I wrote, uh, (laughs) again, I feel like this is a song about the road and how it tears you away from your family, loved ones. Uh, but it's, a, it's an unnecessary or it's a, it, in its siren call because you know, you have to go as it's how you support your, your family and support yourself. But the, the dangers and the tragedies of, of being on the road for too long. Um, oh, yeah. 
I don't know. It's just a great way to end this album. It's easily one of my favorite all-time Deftone songs. Interesting. It's the, so funny how, you know, through different lenses, how these some songs can really grab you. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, well, I guess in this case, you're the same as me in that you hear a song and you can legitimately listen to it like 20 times over and over and over and over again. It still gives you goosebumps when you hear it. Like, that's amazing that, that music has that power to just take you. It's just, oh. Yeah, um, and then for bonus bonus uh, bonus track on this record uh, is "Drive," the Cars cover, because uh, pretty much every album, if you did the like deluxe edition from, want to say "Wet Pony" on, there's always at least a, a cover or a, a bonus track on it or two. Um, and the album, the version that I was listening to, had this song on it, and I I always forget that it was on this specific album, just because Besides and Rarities came out shortly after this, uh, and it was always thrown on there with like the Boys Republic cover that they did uh, on White Pony and some of the other stuff. But um, for the for the extra points, I wrote that uh, Drive might be one of my favorite songs of all time, definitely in my top 100, and this cover is one of my favorite covers that the Deftones or anyone has ever done. Uh, and I think I'm somewhat of a cover song aficionado. Like, I fucking love cover songs. Um, really? And I feel like this cover really fits the vibe of the whole album that it had. And I'm surprised more people aren't aware that this song exists. And I'm kind of bummed that it didn't exist on the just the regular CD. Because I think, like I said, it fits the vibe of this record, if you've ever heard of that cover. No, I've never heard. I didn't. The one that I have is not. Or the Spotify, it was just regular. It didn't have that. Oh well, yeah. I maybe the pros of uh, having listening to it on the iTunes, but well, well, I do have the actual CD <laughs> and I have the vinyl, but no, uh, just yeah. listening to it on Apple Music. They even have it on Apple Music too. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Hmm. Strange. Yep, there's even uh, an essential Deftones collection. Excuse me, playlist, which is nothing. It's just literally all the records but thrown into like one folder, like one folder's worth of whatever. So you can just click it, hit shuffle, and then basically get everything. Oh, wow. Okay, hold on one second. I had the explicit version. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, it, does, it doesn't have it. That's interesting. I wonder if there's other Yeah, I don't know. On, on mine, it just says Saturday Night Risk bonus track version. It's like the only, I think it's the only version they have. I mean, when I pulled it up today, it, uh... It was the, yeah, there's like the, the Deftones playlist, the studio album collection, which is literally every Deftones song. There's like three different versions of Diamond Eyes, the edited version, the non-edited version, and the deluxe version. Oh, and there is, it is. Yeah. And there's only oh, the. Oh, <laughs> Okay, well, we can come back to that song. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I figured it probably wasn't going to be on your thing, but I just, I just yeah. wrote because, like I said, it is one of my favorite songs and it's one of my favorite covers that the deftones have ever done um oh, and it's just so good the uh the always fun part of the the album as a whole the experience and, and how we feel felt about it and then the picking of, of our favorite song if we can unanimously pick one which i think we're gonna we've had a couple that are similar but i think uh after me saying that about uh, reverie i think definitely you know where my my favorite lies but yes yeah um well overall i think uh if I, like, I wish I, I had heard this 
before <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> uh, Di- yeah like when, before diamond eyes came up because it just makes me even more excited to talk about diamond eyes <laughs> i'm like oh it's so great because it's such a great setup for diamond eyes and i, I feel like i'm not giving it enough credit on its own because i was such a fangirl of what comes next um, but there are some really great standout tracks on this record, um, unlike, in my opinion, uh, self-titled, um, which I didn't feel was strong. But this one has some really where they're going with this. I'm totally, I'm, I'm there. I'm following them on their journey. Um, I just, I just think that that the new additions from Frank and like bringing this whole new atmosphere, new level of, you know, I don't know these electronic freezings if you will um yeah. just oh, it's fantastic it, it's just it's setting them up for for further greatness in my opinion it's so funny i mean me having the experience of having bought this record at pretty much right when it came out um you know because i mean this is like the prime of like my i have a job i don't really have like much in bills or rent and gas is like ridiculously cheap still and all that kind of shit, so you can just throw your money away at CDs and build up your CD collection and shit like that. But um, I remember really liking this record a lot, and I loved the chances that it took uh, and being a lot more mellow. I think it, in as much as the self-titled, I felt like at times was trying to be, was an aggressive record, I felt like there was a lot of sense of melody and slowing things down and kind of taking like what they had done on White Pony as far as some of the experimentation on that record, kind of experimenting a little bit more with songs like, you know, Lucky You and Anniversary of an Uninteresting Event and Minerva and stuff like that, and really going further down that road of, like, the more atmospheric and melody uh, as far as with the band. It's funny in in reading some interviews and and listening to uh, interviews with Chino in the last year or so, uh, where he just says, like, when he listens to this record, it just sounds like a band that didn't know what they want. It was disjointed, and and you know, really? yeah, he, he's apparently they're not. He's not a fan of, of a lot of the stuff on this record, which probably explains why they don't play shit off of it. But um, <laughs> and I think the same sentiment was kind of said about uh, self-titled as well. Um, you know, there's just so much infighting between the band, and it just sounds like a bunch of people who were trying to get you know their their things put onto a record that maybe didn't. F- uh, blend as well as say a white pony and a diamond eyes um so it's interesting to for me to have remembered when this record came out and a lot of people at least in my social circles and whatnot being like man this is the second album that this fucking this band's done like they put out a fucking other shit record like there's nothing good about this like white pony was like the best thing they're ever gonna do they're probably gonna go away now like and it was really whoa, weird and whoa. i don't <laughs> that that was like the the things being said in like the social circles I was around like people just didn't like this fucking record or the one before it and to me it's like when you hear people talk about like oh there's two records that just aren't very good like I'm done and a lot of people honestly what the funny thing is, is it, it almost was at the end of the Diamond Die cycle before right almost you know when they're getting ready to record another record or whatever where you know i'm jamming something off of that record and people are just like whoa what is this and it's like oh it's newer deftones and they're like they're still around this is them like holy shit like i wrote them off like two records ago so i mean and there was definitely a drop off for for a lot of yeah. i mean at least in, in around me there was a huge drop off for fans of this band until the next record 
So, it, and we'll get into that, but we'll kind of tease it as we kind of have been the whole episode. But uh, <laughs> it was very interesting to see how well received Diamond Eyes was and how excited people were for Diamond Eyes, considering how so many people seem to have kind of written the band off and, and were just like, this band's done. Like, they're not the band that I, I grew to love. No, so, you're absolutely right. I chanced. I had. I give me, actually, I guess that that's a good point. Like you, you kind of were. I mean, for whatever your own reason, you were basically one of those people. Yeah, no, I was like, I had been listening to other things, uh, you know, kind of exploring my own journey of different kinds of music and and whatnot, and listening to pretty much everything but metal or any kind of hard music for a very long time, and. Diamond Eyes was really what started me back on listening to heavy music again. It's very strange, and, and it was I just chanced upon see, like I think it was on iTunes or something like that. I'm like, holy fuck, Deftones has a new record, and listened to it. And I'm like, oh, I need to actually go out and buy the CD. Like, <laughs> is that a thing? Because this is fucking awesome. <laughs> And yeah, I was one of those people, definitely, but for different reasons. It wasn't because I didn't like them. It was just because I was, or I didn't lose faith in them or anything like that. It was more just that I was listening to other types of music, like more electronic music. So it wasn't in my purview at the time, Um, but they definitely brought me back. Well, I know the next episode will be definitely one where we'll probably have a lot more positives to say and fan, (laughs) fan out on. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, it's I'm just looking here. Um, so, because are we going to be doing B sides and rarities? Or are we just doing the main ones? Uh, well, I think on the last episode I had said we could like we should go through all the studio albums and then come back to the covers and B sides and rarities. Oh okay. Well, huh. no, I, I just I think it's interesting. Uh, years ago, when I was on tour, when I was touring, a fan had given me a collection. And like this was before uh, a mixed CD, as it, were? It, it was a mix. No, it was definitely like something he downloaded off of Kazaa or Napster or whatever <laughs> it was. And he put it together for me. He was like, I know you're a Deftones fan. I, I want to give you this. I'm like, okay, cool. So I listened to it and it has, it has all of these songs, except it doesn't have, he did a cover and, and by he, I mean, Chino did a cover of Sweetest Perfection by Depeche Mode. And it's, oh, it's great. <laughs> that's one of my favorite def, uh, Depeche Mode songs. I feel like potentially that's on the cover's record itself. Um, See it, unless, unless I'm just... Uh, what was the song called again? Sweetest Perfection. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking of uh, Savory. Oh, Savory, the far song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um... Yeah, no, I, I mean the band always does interesting covers. Like I said on White Pony, it was Boys Republic uh, on the which is a Duran Duran cover um, on fuck, on the self titled. I want to say oh shit on the yeah. uh, it's actually like I said it's one of my favorite songs. I'm gonna play it now, um, <laughs> but no on the self titled. I'm totally blanking on actually what the cover was from that and then on this one it was drive on the diamond diamond eyes yeah it was ghosts and there was another there was a cover and i'm totally blanking on what the cover was from that but i think there was like three different three songs 
uh, in the deluxe version, like the deluxe bonus internet. He paid like $90 for this album version. Um, what? I'm kidding. Uh, Caress, I think, was the, the cover. Or maybe it was Do You Believe? Um, it's funny. I have I have access to like look these things up, but I, I'm totally blanking. But, um, That's okay. But it yeah, was they, just a question. Like, yeah. I think one of the more crazier ones, too, of the covers was uh, Simple Man. Okay, hold on. Yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always do interesting, very diverse, uh, kind of like when they did the Smiths, uh, please, please, please let me get what I want. Yeah, and he did a Sade cover, too, No Ordinary Love. Interesting. It's a great cover, if you've never heard it. He loves female singers. Clearly. And he also loves 80s music. <laughs> 80s synth new wave is like one of his oh, favorite he's, genres. It's, he's, it makes it very, very obvious. I would have loved to have met Chino in the 80s. <laughs> when he was just a kid? <laughs> when he was like not much older than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, favorite song off this record? Oh, okay, you go first. Well, even though I know pretty much know the answer to it, I would say mine. I mean, my my overall favorite is probably going to be. It has to be Reverie. I would say the other two that I said were in my top three though are Cherry Waves and probably Beware. Interesting. Okay. Or, or Kim mine Dracula, is... but I know Kim Dracula is not yours. So. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> and again, it wasn't bad. It was just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, for me, Cherry Waves is my absolute 100% favorite on this record. Well, Cherry Waves, it'll be then. Cherry Waves is is spectacular. It's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, socials, I know pretty much you always say it's just, uh, you know, Fallon Bowman, your name. You're one of those <laughs> that has, has that just unanimously across everything. Yeah, I couldn't believe that that worked out like that um, for the most part. I think... Well, even YouTube too. I think yeah. Fallon Bowman TV, if I remember Fallen correctly. Bowman TV, yeah, yes, sir. Well, I know you have your your kitty show coming up, as we had talked about previously. I do, yeah. I uh, I don't know if I told you, but um, my landlord does not like the fact that I'm a musician. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't tell me this part. <laughs> okay, well, she she's. Uh, she was concerned when she Googled me that I would be, yeah, that idea, uh, that I would be playing the drums and, you know, having a fucking punk squat here, clearly. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of freaking out now that, I, like, I need, I, I don't have any of my equipment here at all. So I'm like, I should probably practice the songs because <laughs> I haven't played them in, you know, 15 years or so. So, uh, yeah, I have to go out and rent stuff, like rent guitar, rent a guitar without an amp to try, because she, just in case she hears. So you're going to go out and rent a Stefan Carpenter model then? You fucking bet I am. <laughs> you fucking bet I am. Because, you know, I, I have one already, but I need, I need another one. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny so, if you yeah. uh, grabbed an eight string. And just brought that in, and people were like, "What the fuck? It didn't sound this heavy before." And you're like, "I know, I know." I brought Kitty's first record to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> Guess uh, what? Yeah, the so re-record I'm... contract is up. We can fucking re-record this bitch now. <laughs> exactly. We can have like a new, whole new spin, even though it would never happen. But you know, um, 
yeah, so in all seriousness, I probably should practice that and, you know, kind of gear up for it because it's already, it's going to be October this weekend yep. and the show is like four weeks away. So that's frightening that, that, that it's a thing. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of gearing up for that and recording or hoping I'm going to be meeting with the guy I'd hope to work with, uh, tomorrow to try and, uh, figure out what I'm going to do for my next record. So, yeah. Well, maybe you should put it out there. If anyone is a fan of yours and lives near you, you can just say like in a, in a general area, uh, and would let you use their space so you can practice <laughs> out loud and they could in turn watch you practice these songs that they should probably know and love. Hey, there you go. Um, you're better at selling it than I am. Um, <laughs> because I'm afraid to sing in my own house, which is torture. <laughs> torture. Uh, but in, I, I would like to actually rent a space and just go there every single day week or something like that and like actually get to sing out loud because i'm like i have to i haven't like actually screamed screamed you know metally scream in years years i'm gonna sound like a dying cat which is appropriate um but uh, yeah i should probably practice (laughs) actually it's really funny uh there's this this uh facebook uh page i forget i think it's like worldwide hardcore i don't remember exactly what it's called basically like the whole premise of this video or this this channel or facebook page or whatever is that they bring up bands from like like when they played like like they just posted a video of like the red cord and every time i die circa 2002 at cbgb's or you know like hate breed like from 98 or you know just bands that from like before they got as big as they got and I want to say, I mean, typically it's usually like hardcore stuff, and I don't know if it's because I keep seeing these videos shared, or maybe the Kitty page shared this, and I, and I kind of saw it through my feed very quickly, or you did, or whatever. But it was like a side stage photo or side stage video of you all playing. It looked like a hangar to me, like it was just like a very tall ceiling, very wide open stage, almost like a, a festival stage, like an indoor festival stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know where, obviously it was around the Spit era, but it was funny because the song you were playing was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Brackish, but uh, what's funny is it reminded me as I saw your your vocal, and I, I think we had talked about like how you were talking about you know having to do vocals again uh, in such a manner. And what was amusing was I was reminded, uh, having talked to like my best friend for an episode we did, and when we were done, when we were talking the night before we recorded, uh, we were talking about we we brought up like old bands like Flybanger and you know shit like that. We talked about Dead Sea and a bunch of these other bands from like the new metal era. And what was funny mm-hmm. is we were talking about like you ever go back and listen to songs now and maybe hear things you didn't notice or whatever. And he was like, "No, it's more like lyrics that I thought I heard, and I realized I was wrong." And I go, <laughs> "I go, dude, you want to know what's funny? Is a long time ago, like when I first because we were talking about Kitty um, as a whole, both being like one of the CDs that we both had that." Uh, we were like, whoa, you have this CD? Like, no one knows about this band. Because, I mean, at the time, I think that Spit record had just come out. Um, and I was like, dude, it's been really funny. Like, in talking with Fallon, uh, I remind, I was reminded a little while ago about how I thought the lyric that she would sing in, in Brackish, uh, I think it's Brackish, um, was something about, uh, instead of he's your fucking shoulder to lean on, I thought it was something about drinking a two-liter. <laughs> And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, dude, I thought it was, like, something about drinking a two-liter. And he was like, and he, like, starts, like, 
like pausing like i could tell he's like thinking about it and he goes yeah i totally could hear that and i was like yeah i didn't realize that it was uh he's your fucking shoulder to lean on be strong and and i was like that's why i never understood the be strong part i was like that part don't make sense oh what is she talking about two liters yeah i was like yeah i was like oh these canadians and they're weird metrics (laughs) (laughs) but oh yeah because you don't do things yeah i mean we have two we have two liters but i mean and still it was just like one of those things like i was like as we were talking about lyrics that we misheard back in the day or whatever i was like yeah that was mine i was like i don't get this lyric like it makes no fucking sense and then as i got older and i was like oh man i was totally (laughs) that would come up with the most like i mean that's pretty creative i've never heard that one that so you get that for for being pretty damn creative in terms of what your ear was hearing but we would have um on ozfest we would have like sort of signings or whatever uh, prior to our set and you know people will come up and say yeah man i love that song i love that you know that was that one song that you sing where you're like crucify my dad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, just he was he was convinced that that was the lyrics like those were the lyrics (laughs) he's like no no you're talking about crucifying your dad aren't you like you know just like you know yes no, no, I don't think that's right. Um, I didn't correct him, obviously, but uh, I, I just, that always stuck with me because I thought we we died laughing afterward. Like, oh my god, man, we, I must be better at vocal phrasing because clearly people are hearing all sorts of weird shit. I mean, to be fair, like I, I mean, and this isn't a knock on the record. I, I think like the production on it. I don't know what the budget was, but I, I sometimes I've wondered looking back on it. It's like, oh, it's kind of raw sounding. So like, I don't know if like the budget just really wasn't there to, to whatever, if, because you know, like a lot of newer bands, when you get on a record, they're like, well, we don't want to dump a ton of money and do if it's just going to be bad. So, okay. so uh, I wasn't I, sure how much of that was that, or just literally that I have shit hearing back then and misheard. <laughs> I mean, it was okay, but I mean, also it was 2000 or 1999. No, well, yeah, and I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of the other side of it too, is just like literally yeah. like, I think around that time is when everything started going to digital slowly, uh, and but a lot of people probably didn't know how to really use it, so you're still probably recording to tape. Mm-hmm. I think there was both at the time. Um, there was it was kind of a split between as far as, far as I remember, um, but <laughs> it's it's interesting because I I every time I hear it, like which isn't very often. Um, sometimes I'll be listening to like spotify or something and it will come up and i'm like oh geez that's awkward <laughs> and it, it 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 like your immediate visceral reaction is to press next you're like no 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 it's like you just you just can't hear it because you're just gonna <laughs> pick it apart because you're like oh man we should have done this we should have done that or whatever but i was you know i do that with my own music now um i can't i can't listen to it because i'm like oh there's so much wrong with this but like well, no wonder time. that song came up. I mean, you're just putting it on like a Fallon Bowman playlist. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> Breaking in those uh, royalty checks. Point zero 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 two cents per spin. It's like one of my favorite things to do with some of my friends. Like if I'm randomly like listening to something or whatever, I'll be like, "Yo, enjoy like your point oh 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 one cent royalty check on me. Like, don't spend it all in one place." And for the most part, everyone I've ever sent that to usually gets the joke and thinks it's funny. But I had one person that uh. 
I sent it to after they had given me their phone number, like, and it randomly had happened, and I sent that out trying to, like, thinking it'd be funny, and I don't either think he knew who I had remembered giving me his phone number or whatever, and then it was just like, who's this? Yeah, like, and then I just kind of, it was like, I was like, oh, someone, somebody's like, oh, and then I got nothing back, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and delete this number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to be careful with musicians. We're very fragile. Well, usually everyone finds the humor in it, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, you you always get that one or yeah. two or three. <laughs> yep. But uh, so, like actors, same thing. Yeah. Well, I will let you go so you can uh, start practicing your songs. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should probably really no. Like in all seriousness, definitely need to do that within the next week or so. <laughs> well. Uh, thank you for your time, and we will enjoy getting into Diamond Eyes next month. Oh, I'm so very excited. So very excited. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your night, and thank you very much for uh, for taking the time again. Awesome. Thank you so much again. We'll see. We'll talk soon. Bye. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman going over Saturday Night Risk by the Deftones. Uh, once again, kind of interesting to go through a record uh, with somebody who is not really as familiar with it as I am. Uh, but still being a huge fan of the band as a whole. Uh, kind of teased there at the very end, and, and we've done kind of a piss-poor job of, of not jumping ahead. Uh, but we are both collectively very excited to talk about Diamond Eyes. Uh, should be planning that chat with her in the next uh, day or two. I will reach out and schedule our time to talk all things Diamond Eyes, the great resurgence of the band uh, in everyone's eyes, whether it be commercially or critically even. Uh, Diamond Eyes is still basically the benchmark that I would say even eclipses what White Pony ended up doing for the band. Uh, and so, I mean, we're going to get into all of that kind of stuff and, and, you know, where we were in our own lives and, you know, what the album has done as it's, as it's aged over the last few years now. Uh, all that being said, I'm going to wrap this up and kind of keep it short because the chat ran kind of long and the intro was kind of long. So, uh, socials, you can follow Fallon Bowman, as you heard me say, at Fallon Bowman everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, her YouTube channel is Fallon Bowman TV. I believe she is still doing sporadic videos. Uh, I think she has a Twitch maybe for her video, uh, video game stuff. I'm not sure. Uh, if it's, if it's online though, it should be under the Fallon Bowman TV channel. Uh, All that being said, I have socials as well. If you would like to follow me where I usually post videos or things pertaining to the episodes that you're hearing, uh, Twitter, while I was editing this episode, I made a reference to truck nuts (laughs) and hashtag them. Uh, So if you would like to follow me and get the inside scoop on some of these things before uh, they go up and you can follow hashtag truck nuts, I have no idea what's on there. So maybe you don't want to do that, but if you would like to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you can follow me at John's Untitled Podcast, all one word, Twitter at John's Untitled Pod, and if you would like to email me, you can do such at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find these episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or I'm sorry, it's not iTunes anymore, it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, because, you know, when everyone starts to finally know what something is, why don't we change the fucking name? Because that makes sense. Um, but yeah, you can find this podcast wherever you're listening to it currently. If you would rate, review, and subscribe, that would be greatly appreciated. Without further ado, we're going to end this episode as we always do with a song. 
And as you heard, we picked Cherry Waves off of this album to be the song that we, we think is the best off of this. So without further ado, Cherry Waves, and I'll talk to you guys next week.